0: The Silver Surfer gets extra grumpy in Silver Surfer in thy name. Then we take a look at Heroes of the Public Domain and the Green Turtle. And we wrap up by taking a look at one Rider's take on the Green Turtle in The Shadow Hero, straight ahead. Welcome to the Classy Comics Podcast, where we search for the best comics in the universe. From Boise, Idaho, here is your host, Adam Graham. In My Name is a Silver Surfer uh, miniseries where he is uh, going through space, grousing about the universe, and he uh, is run- in a cynical mood, and he runs into someone from the AMA Alliance, which honestly, when I see the AMA Alliance, I can't help but thinking that this is a planet of doctors. And he goes to this planet and he finds it really admirable. They are a giant uh, galactic organization uh, with multiple species and living together in peace and harmony. Or so it seems. Uh, while he's in the middle of basking in this, and viewing it as comparable to uh, Zen law, the Queen of the Ama Alliance recruits the Surfer to help with a problem they're having. Because it seems that uh, one of their planets, uh, whose inhabitants are known as the Breckens uh, that uh, they're under attack by a monster. The Surfer flies to the planet, fights and defeats the monster, and is proclaimed as a savior by the Breckens. However, the, while on this planet, the Surfer, he picks up on a few things. A lot of shuttered religious buildings, and also just a general vibe of oppression that's on this planet, as opposed to the other uh, planets in the Ama Alliance. There's an assassination attempt on the Queen of the Amma Alliance, and uh, the Surfer saves her life, and when she starts to say something, he informs her that no thanks are necessary. And then she states, I didn't ask you to save me, essentially. Uh, I have my own guards, and you should not interfere unless you're asked to. The surfer notes a lot about what's going on with the Breckens and tries to reason with the queen. And uh, she insists that the Breckens are just ungrateful for everything they've done. And when the surfer suggests some moral equivalency between them and the uh the queen tries to have him arrested and the surfer's just like, I'm out of here. And he flies away. However, he's captured by some space mercenaries and I am dubious that they would have the ability to subdue the silver surfer. I think that that's just a ridiculous thing. And one of the, uh, officials for the AMMA alliance, uh, is on their ship and apparently, uh, he has hired them and they ask what to do with the surfer and he says quote unquote, crucify him. Um I, I think that at this point it's safe to say that this book is just a little bit heavy handed. And they literally do try to crucify the surfer for reasons that just don't make sense. The Surfer is able to break free. Uh, the Brekkens are outraged. And uh, the Surfer realizes that uh, the ammo alliance has been behind everything, including the monster. They wanted him to go. They wanted the Breckens to uh, proclaim him as a savior. Uh, they wanted to get some outrage because they wanted the Brekkens to be the aggressors. And uh, so the Surfer decides that he's going to thwart the plan and tells them that he has sent out a signal and that whichever planet strikes first, Galactus will devour. And Galactus appears in the sky. However, this is just uh an illusion, and uh, the surfer really tries to hold together the negotiations to intimidate and to make the people uh listen and He just continues to go through this of how how he is being intimidating and how he is using force and threats and manipulation. but if it gets the job done, then isn't that really all that matters however, his uh Facade is uh, found out, and things go to pot. I won't go into the whole ending. Uh, You could say the ending was depressing. Uh, That is, if you actually cared about anybody in this story. Uh, And this is really the big problem, because, you know, when you're dealing with... um, a a story, you have to have some connection for the characters for the outcome to actually matter. I mean, if I were to call this depressing, I would be giving it more credit than it's due, because it's you can't consider a story depressing if you don't actually care about any of the characters. And in this case, you just don't. Both of them are unlockable. The Alma Alliance is arrogant, and ruthless, and generally just unpleasant. We're more told about how wonderful the Ama Alliance is, rather than shown it in a practical way that would seduce us into thinking that this was a uh, really idyllic place. Uh, I mean, in the middle of the first issue, the surfer is uh, drawn off to deal with the Breckens. And immediately the illusion is shattered. And it's a very thin veneer as it is. The Breckens are just your stereotypical straw men, religious fanatics without any real complexity. I will give the story this, that it, that many stories will go out of their way to portray religious people as a bunch of destructive evil idiots. However, this book portrays everyone as destructive, evil idiots. So good job bringing a sense of balance. The surfer is just horribly mishandled. And I do think he is a difficult character to write for. uh, Because the surfer has these concerns with humanity and can get into a very talky mode in talking about humanity and its flaws it's easy for that to come across as self-righteous, arrogant, and judgmental, which it really does in this book. Other Silver Surfer books, I think, that are more successful, they tend to balance in mitigating factors. Like, we get to see his compassion, his kindness, his willingness to self-sacrifice. And thus his complaints come off less as a, a self-righteous jerk and more like we're hearing from an enlightened being who is just shocked and saddened by the savagery and cruelty of the human race or whatever other race is being dealt with. Here the surfer is just way over the top in his statements. I mean, there's one point in issue two where the surfer is alone in the sky and he asks, is sentient just another word for conceited? No, no, it's not. Uh But that's just the level that he goes to. And then, of course, through the course of the story, he does a lot of things that are ignoble and unheroic. He plays the bully. He uses deception. He uses manipulation. He even uses the specter of Galactus to instill fear in this planet. And he never really has a concern for the people of this planet in a practical sense. So the surfer, in effect, becomes a self-righteous twit on a surfboard. So overall, I was massively disappointed, and I'll give this one a rating of not classy. All right, now it's time for Heroes... Of the public domain. And we're going to take a look at the Green Turtle. The Green Turtle was created by Chinese-American comic artist Chu Hing. The uh, hero appeared in issues 1 through 5 of Blazing Comics. That appeared in 1944 and 45. In four issues, the Green Turtle made the cover. Many believe that... Hing intended the hero to be Chinese-American. However, uh, it's not for certain, but there are some eternal evidences in the comic, which we'll discuss in a bit. However, in lieu of going through every story, particularly in the case of this hero, I'm going to kind of give an overview First of all, what are the Green Turtle's powers? Well, from what we can see uh, in the comics, uh, it is essentially that he is a two-fisted hero with no obvious powers, but he also has a rocket plane because it was World War II and putting rocket in front of it just makes it so much cooler. Now, the look of the Green Turtle is that he wears this humongous cloak with a turtle on it. And frequently in the book, there is this turtle creature in his shadow. Nobody talks about it or dresses it. It's just there. Now, his adventures were in many ways typical wartime stories, though there was a big difference. Rather than uh, fighting on the side of Europeans, he was helping out Chinese uh, guerrillas fighting off the Japanese invasion and working with actual Chinese people. Uh, the Chinese people in the story were treated a lot more respectfully than they were in American comics, which, even though the Chinese were the victims of the Japanese aggression in the war they were often uh, similarly stereotyped. In Hing's book, they're actually treated quite respectfully. Even though the Japanese are, you know, given those very uncomfortable racist caricatures, it's not as exaggerated as it is in some other books. I will also say that it's a bit unusual for a comic to start out with wartime stuff. A lot of the mainstream uh, comics, the more popular ones and more popular entertainment in general, had moved much about the war as uh Troops were landing, and there were casualties coming in every day. People were wanting distracted from the war in 1944, so to have comics which have a really strong war base at that time was a bit unusual. Probably the most interesting or different issue was issue three, when the Japanese had one of their men uh, impersonate the Green Turtle and attack the guerrillas. This led the gorillas to turn on the green turtle, and they were actually about to execute him until Burma Boy uh had uh, taken one of the turtle's planes and engaged the phony, which gave them a clue that something was up. Now, these were all pretty much standard uh But not in a bad way. They were well drawn. Uh, If you like swashbuckling war stories, if you read The Green Turtle, you're going to have a a good, enjoyable story. Perhaps the most striking thing in this book is that his origin is never uh, revealed. At the end of issue one, he promises to talk about his origin, but immediately in issue two, before he can get to that, they are interrupted by an attack. And uh, it happens a couple more times in the book, with the green turtle promising to reveal his origin, but never actually getting around to it. Now, this may go back to the idea of the Green Turtle actually being Chinese-American, as essentially uh, the uh, the artist and writer seems to be trying to create a situation where he doesn't have to write explicitly that the Green Turtle is uh, white, and the uh, publishers don't have to explicitly say that the Green Turtle is Asian. We never do see his face. The coloring is actually really extreme and would tend towards indicating that the green turtle was white. However, twice in the course of the book, he is addressed as Ching Kwai. That is not itself conclusive, as there are occasions where, at least in the fiction of the day, where a white person living with Uh, A minority population would be given a name, uh, like a a Native American name, and essentially taken as a member of the community, even though they weren't. So readers might have interpreted it that way. But it's certainly an intriguing uh, comic strip series. And it was so intriguing that it inspired... Writer Gene Yang to write The Shadow Hero with art by Sonny Liu, which told their version of The Green Turtle and His Origins. The book opens in 1911 with the collapse of the Qing Dynasty in China. And there is a council called by four spirits that have been key to holding the Chinese Empire together, including the dragon, the phoenix, the tiger, and the tortoise. And there's a call to start a new dynasty, to find some family to imbue with that power, whether that can even be done. And in the midst of that debate, the tortoise actually hightails it out of there with the other spirits uh cursing him for his cowardness. But he ends up on a boat with a man who is on his way to America. And... uh that man is actually the father of the hero of the story, uh, whose name is Hank. And we learn about Hank's mother, who came to America a few years afterwards. Her father was a noted scholar, and so he was able to bring over his whole family. And she had gotten some very glamorous and hopeful ideas about America. But when she'd arrived, she found things were not as she'd Uh, hoped, and that uh, they were just kind of stuck in a a place that was more dingy and crowded uh, and had the worst features of the parts of China that they came from in this Chinatown that they're in, and she was disappointed and broken by that reality, and she just resigned herself to just go along with what people wanted. Uh, and just to settle for what she was given, because dreams don't come true, essentially. And so she agreed to her parents' request to get married. She agreed to her husband's request to have a son. And then she went to work, uh, and she said it was to get some extra money that was needed. Uh, but it was really just to get away from Chinatown and from her son and husband. Uh, because it was just uh you know too much for her to deal with, um, and uh Hank though uh, didn't even remember what his thoughts were on the way his mother uh thought or acted, but he just liked spending time with his dad in the store, and uh, he, he ran a grocery store called Yaquai. Uh, which is uh, a word meaning jade tortoise. And he had friends over and uh, Hank learned how to play Mahjong. And it's a nice establishing uh, shot of... Hank and his life prior to the point where, as Hank puts it, that his mom starts to get ideas. And that happens when, uh, Hank's mom is in her employer's car and it gets carjacked by a bank robber who didn't think to bring a getaway vehicle. And, uh, his mom is saved by the anchor, who is essentially a Superman analog. And uh, he is able to rescue her and catch the crook and recover the money. And this whole incident gets her to decide to turn her son into a superhero. And she makes this ridiculous uh, costume, naming him the Golden Man of Bravery, and then begins experimenting with ways to get him superpowers. And it's actually hilarious. Like, uh, he... She, uh, tries pushing him into some toxic waste after a truck had crashed, uh, near the store. And the best thing that happens as a result of this is, uh, that he gets, uh, a condition where his skin, uh, turns a shade of pink that glows in the dark. It's so bright. Um, after he uh, has uh, gotten wet, which is kind of a cute way at poking fun at how pink they made the Green Turtle skin in the comics. Hank's mom also sends him to an old flame named One to train, which also ties into the Green Turtle uh, comics, because in the comics, the Green Turtle uh, lived in his lair with his sidekick, Burma Boy, who he saved in the course of those comics from uh, the Japanese, and a friend whose origin is never explained named One. And Hank makes progress in his training. So much so that she decides to take him out on a trial run as a superhero, because at this point she had gathered that there were superheroes who were operating who didn't actually have powers. Hank jumps into action to save a young woman from being mugged. However, uh, the young woman is being attacked by multiple guys and one of them does manage to uh, knock him out and they both team up on him and the woman ends up saving him, which just embarrasses his mom and convinces her to totally give up. And then we get another aspect of their lives, which is that uh, Hank's father is a victim of a protection racket and he's late on a payment and so they come into the store they beat him up they even throw his dad out through the window and they, uh, Hank comes out to help he's still injured from his fight and uh, they uh, go ahead and uh, uh, attack Hank and hurt him further and uh, this is just something that absolutely enrages Hank, not that he goes like over the top, but you can tell he's upset about what happened to his father, and his mom tells him that uh, she lives in a house full of cowards, and that just crosses the line, so he decides to go after uh, the head of the protection racket, Mock beak and he gets the drop on mock beat in the bathroom of the club the criminal organization is ran out of and uh, gets him to surrender his uh the stolen jade that he took from Hank's father and uh, returns it uh to his mom and tells her, all about his superhero exploits. But then Hank goes to the door when there's a knock, and it's Mockbeak and his men, and they go ahead and they shoot Hank's father down. And uh, they just tell him that is the lesson, and if you don't pay, that's the consequence. Hank reports the crime to the police, but the senior officer has no interest whatsoever in investigating it and wants to just chalk it up as an unsolved case. However, Detective Lawful promises to bring Hank's father's killer to justice. Uh, But by the time we get to the end of the third issue, uh, there's been no progress on that. At the funeral for Hank's father, Uh, Hank hears a voice crying out from the uh, church where the casket is lying and runs inside, and it is the turtle spirit. And the turtle just begs him for help, says that uh, he can't live in Hank's father's shadow anymore since he's dead, but that he will uh, live in Hank's shadow and uh, will give Hank uh, whatever he asks in terms of a promise. And Hank asks him to promise that he'll never get shot. And the shadow agrees and lives in uh, Hank's shadow. And we learn through the course of the book that uh, Hank's father had asked that he never take another drink. Hank's father had been a real drunken brawler back in China, which is why he made that request. And instead, he became this very mild-mannered family man who was able to settle down and live a good life, but avoided conflict at all costs, even you know paying all this extortion. And that's really the setup, and from there, Hank goes on to develop his superhero career and go after the killers of his dad. And of course, adopts the uh, name of the Green Turtle. I won't go through all the plot details because this is really a good book. Uh, and just to really establish the premise, I had to kind of summarize a lot of what happened in the first three chapters. Uh, but I think this is definitely, I would strongly recommend reading this. I love the characters in there. Uh, Hank's mom is such a great, uh, character. Very complex. Uh, because uh you know she's on one hand she can be just so funny with these just really outlandish ways uh, of trying to make Hank a superhero and all the things that uh she says she can have just some of these really hilarious lines but there's also a real poignancy about her with that disappointment plus her relationship with her husband and how she realizes that he really was a good man and that she didn't treat him right. And she has to come to terms with that. And so she really goes on a journey in the course of this book. And Hank is just such a wonderful character. This is his coming-of-age story. This is his origin story. And you really like him throughout. You, li- I like him as a character at the start and as he develops. And I like the person that he becomes at the end. It is really just a really good character story. And the art is really fun. Uh, throughout, it's, it's not like super realistic. It's, Uh, somewhat cartoony, but really artistically done. There's some really great artistic touches in the course of the story. Uh, And it does, uh, I think, also strike the right balance because it's talking about a very sensitive topic uh, when you're dealing with uh, the treatment and experience of Chinese Americans. And I think that in the hands of many other writers, uh, that it's just can be turned into this hard-edged uh, sort of guilt trip. Uh, but what I like about what uh, Gene Yang does here is that he, the first thing he does is he tells us a fun story with likable characters that also reflects the experiences of Chinese Americans in this country. And they get you to care about the characters And so you empathize with their plight, which is a far better approach than many other writers will just hit you over the head with grievances. And I think there's also just a real respect for humanity, human nature, and our struggles. Uh, there's this one with Detective Lawful. He is essentially, you know, the good guy on the force trying to solve the case, but he has a moment where he lets loose a racial slur around uh, the Green Turtle, uh, who, of course, you know, at this point, he's got the mask, and uh, the reaction tells him that the Green Turtle was actually Chinese, and... Uh, he comes up to him later and says, you know, about what I said. And the green turtle says, it wasn't you. He said, no, I don't want, it was, but I don't want it to be me. Which is just such a really good nuanced approach to a difficult issue. And this book is just outstanding. It's, like I said, it's a lot of fun. It addresses some serious issues, but it does it right. Um, and it's just a fantastic read. I can't recommend it enough. Uh, there was actually, in 2017, a one-shot comic for the for the shadow hero that happened after the events of the book that was put out by Panda Express, and you can actually still find that comic online, so that's a nice follow-up. This book I'm going to give a rating of very classy. The only complaint I had is that there were some parts of the Green Turtle's origin that remained unanswered, like the rocket plane. It seems to me that aviation would have always been an important part of the Green Turtle's Uh, life, and that's not really addressed here. Though, who knows, maybe he'll revisit the character and kind of fill in some of those details. Uh, All right, so uh, we have a tale of two stories, I guess. Uh, Silver Surfer in thy name gets a rating of not classy. And then on the other hand, you have The Shadow Hero, which is just a fantastic uh, graphic novel. I heartily recommend it and give it a rating of Very Classy. One of my favorite uh, graphic novels of all time. All right, that'll do it for today. Join us uh, back here next week for another episode. In the meantime, send your comments to ClassyComicsGuy at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at ClassyComicsGuy. Be sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.